Hello and welcome to the Zip Files, a weekly technology news catch-up show. In classic style, I'll feed you the 10 most interesting bits of tech news from the last week. Want to know how Instagram are tracking us in unsurprising ways? Why China's first ever cybersecurity law is a threat to multinationals? And how Jeff Bezos plans on building a manufacturing plant on the moon? Then stay tuned and I'll tell ya. Our long listen this week is about CRISPR, which sounds like any old boring acronym, but is totally awesome. It will grant us eternal youth, cause wings to spout from our backs, and cure all disease. And this isn't science fiction. The technology is already here. We cook it with fire. All right, without further ado, let's get all caught up with the world of tech. Earlier this month, the music streaming giant Spotify told us that they had introduced a new policy to deal with, quote, hate content and hateful conduct, end quote. The details were deliberately left vague, allowing Spotify to remove artists from its featured playlists at its own discretion. Two high-profile victims of this move were Temptation and R. Kelly, who both have less than illustrious histories. The former charged with battering a pregnant woman, and the latter frequently accused of serious sexual misconduct. Now, in the wake of industry backlash, Spotify are reinstating XXX Temptation to their playlists in a rather disappointing turn of events. Spotify just don't yet have the clout to upend an industry that has a huge financial incentive to protect its moneymakers, even if those moneymakers are abusers. Spotify had good and noble intentions, but unfortunately... That won't be enough. GDPR came into effect last week, a new European privacy law that hopes to give users more control over the way companies collect and use their data. The fines for non-compliance threatened to be huge. Max Schrems, a privacy activist, wasted no time in filing complaints against Google, Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp, alleging the companies to be non-compliant and thus law-breaking. Schrems argues that each company has failed to implement a system wherein users can easily opt out of their data being collected or used by the company. Instead, he claims, and I quote, that a lot of these companies now force you to consent to the new privacy policy, which is totally against the law, end quote. To be honest, I anecdotally agree with Schrems. When I updated my Facebook data sharing, I had to go through a series of click-throughs that were quite confusing in order to opt out. Have you got interview questions lined up, Evan? Yeah, mate. I've got like Cambridge entrance exam questions lined up. Oh my god! (laughs) Exactly what I didn't want. What inanimate object do you wish you could eliminate from existence? Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What do you um? What the f*** do you mean? Fortnite, the world's most popular video game, is being sued by Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, also known as PUBG, another extremely popular game that has been usurped by Fortnite's success. PUBG was released last year and became a huge hit as players battled to be the last person standing 
in a 100-player-strong Hunger Games-style fight to the death. Fortnite is very similar, but adds building to the mix, allowing players to construct fortifications whilst also blasting their way through the pack. Another differentiator and part of its runaway success are Fortnite's cartoony graphics that widens its appeal to younger audiences. PUBG is claiming in court that Fortnite is infringing on its intellectual property by copying its Battle Royale game format. In my opinion, this is simply ridiculous. Firstly, there were many, many games before PUBG which were based on the Battle Royale format. And secondly, come on, you can't claim intellectual property ownership over something so broad and unoriginal. PUBG, who have lost over half of their players since January, are just a big old lemon. Bitter. Old incumbents die hard. Both Uber and Google-backed startup Kitty Hawk have led relatively high-profile forays into flying taxis as of late. Uber's timeline isn't particularly noteworthy in the fast-moving world of tech, aiming for a flying service within the next 5-10 to years. Kitty Hawk, on the other hand, want to start running a commercial air taxi service in New Zealand by 2021. But like I said, old incumbents die hard and Airbus are stepping up to the plate with their efforts to dominate the flying taxi market of the future. This week, the company announced that it is creating a division to oversee the on-demand transport options of our future, such as hailable helicopters and flying taxis. Their expertise in the area and strong strategic partnerships put Airbus in a great position to be a world leader in this exciting new arena. China has traditionally been extremely lax with data protection laws. So lax, in fact, that China's first cybersecurity law came into effect just last Thursday. Whilst this law has been widely welcomed as progress towards introducing much-needed data privacy, it is feared by analysts that it could in fact bolster Beijing's control over multinationals. Under the new legislation, if a company is deemed to be, quote, critical then it will have to store all data collected in China within the country. This will be hugely costly for foreign companies, which are used to storing client data in cloud storage databases across the world. On top of this, companies will now have to worry about Beijing stealing their intellectual property. National security reviews will allow China to request the source code of any application under investigation. That's like forcing Heinz to reveal their ketchup recipe. Truly, it's only foreign companies who have to worry about this new law. Chinese ones know that the legislation has not been put in place to punish local businesses. Welcome to this week's Long Listen. Derek, is that you? You blink hazily into the mid-afternoon heat. Yes, mate, Derek chirps. Derek, I sent you out for dish soap and you've got wings. You angrily chastise. Sorry, mate. They had a deal on. Irresistible, they said. I simply couldn't pass it up. Derek annoyingly rebuts. This might sound like the beginning to a perfectly subpar episode of EastEnders, but for the simple fact 
that our Derek hasn't just picked up a snack of six mega spicy chicken wings. No, our Derek lives in the not so distant future, where bioengineering has become so prevalent that editing one's own DNA is simple, cheap, and readily available. Our Derek has got his very own set of wings. Our Derek is a human bird creature and one without dish soap. For thousands of years, human beings have been engineering life. Jump in the time machine for a second. Brian, a Roman charioteer, wants to go faster in his little wooden chariot. To achieve this, he'll need quicker horses. He knows that his friend Gregorius has a super quick stallion that gets him to market in absolutely no time. Brian likes this and introduces his fastest female horse to Gregorius's stallion. The pair close the curtains, turn on some Marvin Gaius, take off their hooves, and some months later are the proud parents of a fast baby horse. Through selective breeding, Brian now has a quick pony that will win him races given a few years and enough hay. So we've known that animals, plants, and other living things can pass down their traits to their offspring for millennia. But it was not until recently that we understood this process. On the morning of February 28, 1953, James Watson and Francis Crick discovered the magic of DNA, that it acts as the blueprint for a living thing, and that this DNA recipe is passed down to offspring. Since then, we have known where the set of instructions that govern our growth, development, functioning, and reproduction are stored. But changing these instructions has been hard, expensive, risky, and generally out of scope. Has been, until we unlocked the wonders of CRISPR. CRISPR was first discovered in the 1990s, and is a fundamental part of the genetic code for the immune system of bacteria. CRISPR is an acronym for its catchy longer name, Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. If we split that into two parts, then we can better understand how CRISPR works. The second half first, Short Palindromic Repeats. These are short segments of DNA that are palindromes, i.e. the letters that make up the sequences read the same forwards and backwards. These short segments are repeated and identical, one after another after another, but they are interspaced, they have gaps between them. Thus explains the other half of the expanded CRISPR acronym, clustered, regularly interspaced. So what connects the short palindromic repeats? Something called spacer DNA. Each segment of spacer DNA is unique and matches the DNA of a virus that has attacked it in the past. In short, the bacteria use CRISPR to remember each virus that has tried to send it to an early grave. But what's the point in remembering your enemy if you don't have the blastoid rifles at the ready to teach them a lesson if they ever come back? Enter CAS, or CRISPR-associated genes that sit nearby CRISPR sequences and, when triggered, produce enzymes to locate and destroy invading viruses. So, a quick recap, because that's all pretty complicated. When a virus goes 1940s dictator vibes and invades a bacterium, the virus's DNA is integrated with a CRISPR sequence in the bacterium's genome. If the virus attacks again, then the bacterium will remember it and deploy CAS enzymes to locate and destroy the virus. Okay, Evan, you dork. You told me Derek had wings. 
How does that have anything to do with CRISPR and its role in the immune system of bacteria? Well, because as of 2012, we now know how to harness CRISPR to edit genes. Here's how that works. Rachel has sickle cell disease, which is caused by a single mutation in her DNA. In the laboratory, a scientist puts on overalls and creates a strand of guide RNA that perfectly matches Rachel's mutated DNA sequence. This guide RNA is given to CRISPR-associated protein 9, or Cas9 enzymes, which are then injected into Rachel's bloodstream. They whiz through her body and use the guide RNA to find all of the mutated DNA sequences. Cas9 then cuts out these dodgy sickle cell-inducing bits, and another bioengineered vehicle comes up and inserts a healthy bit of DNA in its place. Bish, bash, bosh. Rachel is cured, and all through a magically simple and cheap procedure. An easy way to grasp this is to think of the process as the genetic equivalent of the find and replace feature in Microsoft Word. This gene editing mechanism has enormous implications for every industry. Not only will it be invaluable in curing disease, but in fighting global warming, boosting food production, granting us eternal youth, fast-tracking our evolution, designing our babies, growing wings, and much more. The applications of this tool are truly as infinite as the forms of life itself. Now you might need a second to catch your breath, because I'm really not rickrolling you here. No jokes. CRISPR is science fiction without the fiction. Anyway, it's all well and good having this technology, but how is it being used and developed now? Will you ever have wings? Since we first discovered how to use CRISPR as a gene editing mechanism, we have been trying it out on animals. Mice have been particularly revealing when it comes to CRISPR's therapeutic potential. These little cheese eaters share 90% of their genetic code with us humans, and so make great test subjects. Experiments on mice have successfully used CRISPR to inhibit the formation of nefarious proteins involved with Huntington's disease, eliminate HIV, and disable the defective gene that causes a form of muscular dystrophy. This is massively promising for humans. As for Derek, presuming he's not a mouse, he might get his wings sooner if he moves to China, Human trials are prohibited in Europe and America for the time being, but are expected to be allowed starting sometime this year. China has a much simpler regulatory system when it comes to medical stuff. Some hospital committees are able to approve studies in a single day, without the need for federal approval. As a consequence, China has been carrying out the world's first human trials using CRISPR to fight a number of cancers, HIV and HPV, since 2015. Now, all of this craziness doesn't come easily. In fact, the technology's detractors are numerous and vocal. Gene editing is playing God and could have disastrous after-effects if we are not extremely careful. We do not yet know the full consequences of changing our genes, and it is unlikely to ever be totally safe. By removing Rachel's sickle cell disease gene, we might unintentionally cause something else to mutate in her biology. We are simply too inexperienced in this realm 
to have any assurances that our edits will have only intended effects. And then say we use gene editing for germline modifications to alter the DNA of reproductive cells. Well, then we have a situation where our edits become part of the human gene pool. These modifications will be inherited by future generations. The question here is whether we can ethically choose what our unborn descendants will inherit. One thing is for certain. CRISPR has given us God's surgical scalpel. The power that this grants us is just too alluring to resist and will only grow. Future Derek might enjoy the triviality of CRISPR wings and those you might feel an ethical imperative to deny. But try to deny a dying child the elixir of life and you become a monster. CRISPR will penetrate our society by way of its therapeutic potency and then inevitably take over the rest. Why, whilst you remove little unborn Alice's gene that predisposes her to cancer, can't you also give her perfect eyesight, more radiant hair, Einstein's intelligence, and wheels for toes? You'd be a monster not to, but then maybe we'll all be monsters soon anyway. To, like in first year at uni, I used to like all I would eat was sweets. I would eat like two big bags of tampastics on my own in the evening, and like I like that would be so fine for dinner. I did every day. Well, because Pollock food was so gross, and like obviously I would go to the shop after, and I'd be like still really hungry, so I'd like devour two bags of sweets. And I remember I used to get one tampastic and one not fizzy because I was like, you know, you can't have two sugar-covered sweets, that's a bit excessive, but two big bags of sweets. I think we all had a very balanced diet in our first years at university. Jeff Bezos, founder and CEO of Amazon, has grand ambitions for our moon. Speaking at the Space Development Conference in LA last week, Bezos discussed the idea of using the moon as a hub for heavy industry. When you look up to our lunar neighbour, you might think it looks pretty barren, but in fact it's got a whole chunk of resources that would be useful to heavy industry. There's readily available energy in the form of 24-7 sunlight, water lies just below the surface, and there's a great deal of regolith just waiting to be built with, just don't inhale the dust. Of course, we'll still need a bunch of minerals and resources from Earth, but building a lunar manufacturing base is in many ways a no-brainer. It's almost like somebody set this up for us, Bezos said. Jeff has proposed a partnership between his space company Blue Origin and NASA to test the possibilities of this vision. If and when it proves successful, Bezos wants the moon to be a place where Earth's countries cooperate as one, a place without borders and politics. It's a hopeful vision. A Canadian man named Karim Baratov, who acted as a hacker for hire, has been sentenced to five years in prison for leading a massive spear phishing operation targeting Yahoo employees. 
Spear phishing is a technique where a hacker tries to get an individual to part with his sensitive data by posing as someone the individual trusts. Ultimately, Baratov was able to compromise 500 million Yahoo accounts through this method. Baratov's five-year sentence comes with a cool $250,000 fine. The sentence imposed reflects the seriousness of hacking for hire, acting US attorney Alex Tse said in a statement. Yet another ride-hailing startup reached unicorn status this week. Taxify, an Estonian company that competes with Uber across Europe and Africa, has raised $175 million in a round led by German automaker Daimler. Taxify, which operates in 25 countries, says that it has 10 million passengers and 500,000 drivers. The company, founded in 2013, has got to this size with only just over $2 million in funding. It will be interesting to see what they can do with 175. In other ride-hailing news, Uber are experimenting with a panic button for riders in the United States in an attempt to increase the safety of their service. Dara Khosrowshahi, Uber's CEO, also said this week that the company is on track to IPO in 2019. What is a dream that you have that you've yet to achieve? I really want to be famous. Like, I really do. <laughs> no way. And, uh, yeah, I really, really just do. And I've always <laughs> just, I've just, I've just tried to get myself into thinking I don't, but I just do. As I was just like left, got on the corporate ladder, I'm like, man, like, this is so unfair. <laughs> like, what kind of fame? I wanted to be, I don't know, I wanted to be an actress since I was like five. And a part of me, like when I was like six, just definitely thought I was going to be like a big deal. And I'm just kind of uh, realizing that's probably not going to happen. So it's just something I'm coming to terms with. Yeah. <laughs> right, guys, I've got some pretty bad news. Uh, brace yourself. Instagram is tracking the way we scroll and click through their app. Now, I know this is a lot to take in, so I'll give you a second. Alright, really poor quality banter aside, this isn't really very surprising, is it? We're used to being tracked on our apps, and everyone should just assume that everything they do is being fed to some data-hungry tech god in a cloud somewhere. Anyway, it's interesting why Instagram claimed to be collecting this data. The social media service has had an acute problem with bots for years. In 2015, a bunch of researchers estimated that circa 8% of all Instagram accounts were in fact fake. In an effort to make sure real people are doing the liking and following on its app, Instagram are tracking our behaviour. If we look too much like a bot, then they'll just send in a cheeky ban. If we seem human, then they'll use our interactions to train their AI systems to recognise human behaviours. It's all very clever, really. Okay, you can take the broccoli out of your ears now. Instagram tracking us isn't really that scary. Back in January 2017, Airbnb was on the cusp of merging its Chinese business with Tujia, its local home-sharing competitor in the country. But fears over brand image and belief that they could go it alone led to Airbnb's founders walking away from the deal in the final hours of negotiations. 16 months later, 
this decision is still one that haunts investors who were keen to see a merger and so avoid fierce and expensive competition. Airbnb are still growing in China and have now got 200,000 Chinese properties listed on their platform. But this growth falls far short of two years. Whilst both companies deny that they're in formal talks with one another, it is looking increasingly likely that Airbnb will be forced into two years arms in the not so distant future. With $755 million in funding and the all important local expertise, Tujia is probably an indomitable rival. And it's done, <laughs> it's over. You can open your eyes now, take it all in. Hopefully the tech world around you makes a bit more sense. You're all caught up. If you enjoyed the show, then please share the zip files with a friend. If you hated it, then please share it with an enemy. Also, sorry to be hashtag that guy, but if you're feeling bright and breezy, happy and friendly, then rating the zip files five stars on Apple Podcasts would help me out massively. I love you all. Until next Sunday, enjoy your oat milk lattes and have a great week. 